Well, it's time for another Malt Travel podcast. Ooh. We're flying along. This is episode 32. Now, it's uh, getting higher and higher every week, as they would. Right, I'll just fade out the ukulele music. Thank you. And good evening. That was, <laughs> evening, that Liz, was a nice, evening, Bruce. That, that was a nice fade. <laughs> yes, well, yeah. Unfortunately, I've, I've given up using my little sound box thing. It's just... Uh, Stick it in there. You can't. You can't feed on power plants. One to look at. Right. Well, how are you, Jed? Are we all right? I know you've been. You've been. Uh, you met up uh, Friday night in York with my brother-in-law. I did. You just returned back to Staffordshire. We were a bit baffled by uh, the protocols of the Sam Smith pub, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not a novelty to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Even, even so, when he pulled his phone out of his top pocket, Bruce was going, "Put it away! Put it away! You can't talk us in here." <laughs> Fortunately, I was quite a young. It was quite a young lass behind the bar, and she didn't really have the nonce to uh, to say, "No, you can't, you can't have this out." And she sort of played along with us, really. I mean, we said before there isn't. Yeah, it's an absolute Sanskrit desert round here. I, I, I wouldn't even know. I would think Stockport is probably where the nearest Sam Smith is, and there's just well, nothing. Not, oh well, well, well Joe. Joe reckoned he he'd had Sam Smith's beer before, and then he opted for a pint of cider. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's uh, I like I was say it's certainly got some of that Tadcaster snatch. Like the Burton snatch on the uh, on that when you first go back to an old brewery. Yeah, uh, no, I had I had a pint of old brewery. It was a bit weird. I don't know whether my uh, my taste bud is still uh, a bit like you, Bruce, when you had the your COVID. Because uh, each pint of beer I've had this weekend, I, uh, I've had it with an expected taste, and it didn't taste anything like I expected. So whether the beer has been different or what, I don't know. But I think it must mm. be my taste really. Yeah, so let's uh, catch up because I think that's since the last podcast, wasn't it? You, you unfortunately went down with the uh, the dreaded COVID, so strike two. So Bruce had it quite a, quite a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. Christmas time, you had it, Bruce, wasn't it? Just uh, last, last year. Yeah, and and Nick and managed to keep it keep out of it, but you 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 went down for a couple of days with it. Yeah, well, I was I wasn't poorly with it, but I had it, so I had to I had to isolate. So yeah, but it's it's rife around here. I think this is the whole whole thing with the government. They're letting people get on with it now. I think statistics is there's more people dying of flu now than dying of COVID, so it's a case of catch it and get on with it. And uh, it looks like we've got some beer in the glasses, gentlemen, or certainly Nick has. Nick, are you on the you on a little slurp tonight? Oh, yes. I'm actually drinking some in my Christmas beer up, so I'm on the uh, Black Sheep Ale, which is pertinent for what our discussion is tonight. Mm. So a pint of Black Sheep Ale in a... Bass glass. Glass. Okay. Bruce, are you partaking this evening? Uh, no, because I was with Nick and Joe Friday night. I was up at half past six yesterday morning to go to uh, Great Eight, and then there were a pint in uh, Stokesley on the way back. Had to be a desert Stokesley. Then I went out last yeah. night, fifteen. Then I had about four or five last night. So I've just got dandelion and burdock on the go now. I'm really. Well, uh, I'm, I'm just 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 for for you pair. I've. Uh, the Thornbridge box came uh, this, was it last week? Last week. And if you mentioned, we mentioned that they were doing a collab with um, Thornbridge and Brew York. Oh. So I, I think it's, it's Brew York. Is it their, is it their 10th, no, is it 6th birthday? Is it coming up? I know they've got a... Yeah, there's a big opening up at the brewery. It's That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, we mentioned a couple of episodes ago that, that they're actually going to phase out Big Eagle or, or the, 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 is it Big, is it Big Eagle they do or whatever Eagle it's called? Um, and it's just going to become a seasonal rather than a regular. And so they said that they were going to do a Big Eagle Jaipur collab. Oh. So this is the Thorny Eagle, which is a modern West Coast IPA, seven point one percent. So I'm going to oh. I'm going to crack that. I've, I've, I've got two. I've had two cans in the box. I've not actually had any yet. So I'm going to. Uh, I'll let you know what it's uh, whether whether I can taste whether it's Eagle or Jaipur. It's is that a three thirty or a five hundred? Uh, this is a three no four forty. All right, yeah. Um, so, it's looking, yeah. no, it's looking quite japery. It's got that like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that strange, slightly gold hint. It smells a bit japery as well. Although again, the eagles are probably a little bit similar, isn't it? Mm. Ah, you can you can certainly taste the seven uh, percent. Taste the eagles. Taste the eagles. So, beery highlights then. So, you obviously went to a Sam Smith's pub on Friday night. Did you manage anywhere else? Well, I was starting the Spoons. One of Bruce's least favourite places, but it was all right in there. I got a nice pint of white rat in there, used my voucher for uh, £1.59. Hmm. So, nice start to the evening. Uh, Osset, no, uh, Osset, yeah, Osset white rat. And then you went just went to Spoons and you went to Chinese, did you? Uh, we went to Phoenix afterwards, didn't we? Oh, Phoenix, yeah. yeah. 
Was that, that bit busy, was it, on a, on yeah. a Friday night? We got a seat and it was quite lovely. Just. Yeah, then. Yeah. COVID, yeah. COVID, I mean, COVID central, that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's not much social distancing at Phoenix, is there? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. have, you, were you, have you been out this weekend? Have you been out Saturday night? Did you have your normal little wander around Malton? Or? Uh, no, I went to Smith's Arms last night. So, right. in Harrogate, Chef and Brewer, but they always have three decent beers on. So, started on the Saltair Blonde, which was very nice. Um, then moved on to the other Revolutions, Revolutions Porter, uh, Revolutions at uh, Castleford. And all their pump clips are quite distinctive because it looks like a little record. So they're not too easy to read when you stood <coughs> behind somebody because you see the picture and there's no distinction between them. And then they just put what the actual beer is in the top corner there. But I knew it was a porter. Uh, cracking beer to look at, that typical very dark ruby red colour. Uh, interesting beer. Uh, only needed a pint of it. And then finished off with a pint of Landlord. Now, uh, once again, uh, 4.45 in there. The good thing with the Chef and Brewer pubs is the 10% off uh, for a camera. Uh, you've got your camera card, which brings the price down a little bit. But uh, tell you what I did, bro. So let me dad have a taste of it and say, right, you know, if I gave you that to the pub and, and uh, told you that it had won the uh, Champion Beer of Britain four times, would you say it was head and shoulders above anything else? And he said, no, not really. It's no, not no. anything special. <laughs> and, uh, well, you had a, you, you and Joe had pints of uh, Landlord in, in Phoenix, didn't you? How did you find yeah. that? I mean, it was pretty good. Actually, Fernando goes. It's good you find it anywhere, but it's very rare you uh, find it the way we remember it. I know we keep going like a stuck record, but it's true. We know it's a well kept pine, but it's the beer that's changed. The mm. pub still keep the beer, well, but the actual beer has changed. They just refuse to admit it, don't they? Mm. Yeah, but yeah. again, as I've always said, I mean, I would imagine the Phoenix it pushes through a lot of bloody landlords, yeah. doesn't it? Because oh, a lot of people coming to York will, you know, try it. Top notch beer in there all the time, yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess, Nick, in, in, in the Smiths, people will try it, but they probably won't do. I mean, I, I probably, I bet they squeeze the barrel out a couple of weeks rather than, the, you know, four or five no, days. No, I, no, I don't think so. And like you say, especially landlord, I mean, if you walk into a pub, even though you've got three of the real ales on in there, inevitably, the sort of pub that the Smiths Arms is, because it's obviously in quite an affluent area, so people don't mind paying four or five. People are drinking seven, eight pints of it, are they? You know, they're having a meal mainly, aren't they? I mean, not just just some passing trade as well. I mean, but no, thing... it was just it's just such a shame. I said to my dad, you know, for what we used to remember it, it was a completely different taste to anything else. And yeah. it was because it, it had a character to it. It had a light floral character to it 20, 25 years ago. And yeah, it may be also because, you know, there are so many other beers out there now that have got a different distinct flavour compared to your basic old bitter. But uh yeah. I would love to be able to just taste that taste again that we remember, you know, sort of 25 mm. years ago sat in the boat. We're the best in the boat makers' arms, aren't we? Yeah. 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 I, actually, yeah. I, I just I stand up bit. I went, I went out, I just had a quick walk out for it. It was a lovely night Friday. I'd been in Lancaster, actually, Lancaster University. So I got back and this is going for haircuts. So I said, I'll, I'll, I'll wander in town. I called in the boat and horses and they had a, it was a rucker. It was a, I can't which it was. It's like a Six Nations beer. But that was a straight to bitter. And I think it was all right, actually. It was quite nice. Um, but then, obviously, I got tempted by some of this new stuff. So yeah. I went into Mellard's, first of all. <laughs> and, oh, and, no. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I think my, my untapped, <laughs> um, untapped write-up was, this looks like dishwater, but tastes like a hoppy fruit bowl. So this yeah. was a vocation and a verdant uh, collab. It's all the thing, these collabs, isn't it? So, I mean, mm. uh, I mean, vocation are from, they're from Edmund I don't know Bridge, what collab, it? it looks more like colon. It looks like... <laughs> oh, and verdant are from juices. Cornwall. So this was their fruit bat ninja. <sighs> Uh, and it was definitely fruit. It was only about four point something percent. Uh, and as you see there, it was slightly more than the normal three sixty. It was four twenty a pint. Uh, do you know what though? It was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't bad actually. Uh, and I went. I went on the Pentrick then at three sixty a pint. Their badly drawn gun. And I, I didn't. I didn't go into the. I'm going to say there's 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 an Uber one next door. Yeah. That I've been on that instead. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. So that was quite nice. And then I went off to the. Um, uh, hot water cellar where I normally end up now. Um, they don't do any casking there, but they have eight drafts on. Um, I had quite nice Polly's, a new Polly's beer in there, Florette, which again was quite a nice IPA. Uh, and I finished up on a Manchester track, uh, 8.5% dip. I didn't quite go for the tipper, they had a cloud water tipper Whoa. at 10%, which I thought was maybe just a uh, half pint too far. It's amazing how those bloody strong beers. Catch up, catch up a little bit. They do, yeah, they do. Um, okay, not much beer news this week. A couple of things that uh, Bruce has shared with me, and I got, again, I don't know if you guys picked this up. 
this was actually it's a couple of weeks ago now, but uh, yeah. uh, Malton Brewery were uh, obviously Yorkshire of Yorkshire Pudding Beer fame. Uh, we're tweeting that they just managed to get our uh, plans submitted in that they are building a, well, they're going to be able to put a bigger brewing kit. So I presume they're expanding slightly in the brewery. I don't know if there's any space, Nick, around they can move into. But... I was say, I'm, I'm surprised you have to get permission to increase yeah. the size of your brewing kit. I suppose, I suppose you're taking water, the water and stuff, and, it, and it's really the waste, isn't it, yeah. stuff as well. So, so anyway, yeah, it says water, that they... water, water's got not to do with council. Water's down to which water company you're using. Yeah, oh, yeah, but you know, I, I presume you're you're off, you're off, you know, whatever you're chucking away, they'll probably. And it looks like there's a grant there as well because it's a grant application as well. So I'm guessing that'll be a. They were at Stoke. I was at Farmers Market there in Stokes yesterday, and they had the stall there, so they were headed quite away out with Morton yesterday. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then again, Bruce, you, you sent me a couple, so obviously it was St Patrick's this week. You know what? I've not yeah. had a pint of Guinness all week actually. <laughs> I had, I, had a pint of, I had a pint of McDonald's yesterday, uh, but I know Bruce, you, you you follow some of these Guinness kind of drinking yeah, folks, yeah. and the the shit London Guinness hash, <laughs> at shit London Guinness had been looking looking around London for the best uh, pints of Guinness, and there was actually quite a bit of write up actually about was, yeah. some Guinness gurus about what you should look for, and the old thing about splitting the the, the harp and the letters and the normal thing, and again as always. Their, their main tips will look at the head. The head will tell you everything about the bite of Guinness. And if it's white and creamy with a dome, then it's on good form. Uh, and they came up with their top five uh, pints of Guinness in London, um, not in any particular order. The Oud Shillelagh in Stoke Newton, the Coach and Horses in Covent Garden, the Guinea Grill in Mayfair, the Sheep Haven Bay in Camden, and the 12 Pins in Prince's Park. So the Coach and Horses uh, has yeah. featured on a couple of podcasts. Hasn't it? So we've got one of, one of them in there as well. Uh, and I think they mentioned that the worst pint. I'd actually just let me move our if I move our pictures on the bottom there. The worst pint is the Toucan. Apparently, I've not even heard the Toucan somewhere oh, in London, yeah, yeah. but it claims to be a bit of an Irish bar. And it just and it went on to say they're always banging about the best Irish best pint of Irish Guinness, and it's not. It's horrible. So there we go. So the, that was the uh, uh, the perfect Guinness pint. And then the other one that Bruce sent me again was I don't know if you saw this. I think some of the red tops did this, didn't they? The <laughs> worst, massive. the worst roast dinner, and I'm unfortunately it was on those Green King that we sometimes we're a bit we're often a little bit kind of down on. Um, oh so God. a Green King pub in, in Bristol were charging eleven pounds seventy nine for a roast dinner, and somebody had taken a picture of it, and it went viral as, as it always does. And I've got to say, it looks pretty minging, doesn't it? It's a big white oh, plate shocking. with. Uh, Two roast potatoes, uh, a huge, well, something looks like stuffing, three very manky bits of carrot, a bit of beef and a bit of something else, <laughs> a Yorkshire pudding. But it's, it's kind of half a Yorkshire pudding being kind of carved up. And then, well, and then uh, uh, two bits I'll, of broccoli. I've been to a Green King pub today, pear tree and uh, had the carvery, and it was far, 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 far superior to that. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily blame Green King. I would blame whoever's uh, in not the kitchen. It, it was brandy depressive and not fit even for a dog. And that the was one the one said um, I've seen better in hospital. <laughs> the Channing Hotel in Bristol. So yeah. there we go. The turkey and beef duo. That was it. The per- turkey and beef. <laughs> oh, that's what that bit of that bit of white oh stuff is. It's a piece of turkey. So uh, yes, interesting, interesting. So yeah. again, it's been quite quite actually beer wise. It's been quite quiet. Right. I know there's a lot of kind of a lot of planning for festivals and, and various other bits and pieces. We mentioned that. Thorn I've got beer news. Thing on. Go on then. Give us some beer news, so, then, Nick. Popped up Malton today. Just needed to go and get some. Uh, Lawn fertilizer, all stuff. So, packed in the marketplace, driving out <coughs> the marketplace. Royal Oak was open, and oh, yeah, Omni yeah. is open, the right. Yorkshire Bar yeah. and Tapas. So, because I was in the car, I couldn't have a good look in. But as I drove past Omni, there were three hand pumps facing directly to the door. So, as per my uh, inf- information, that possibly the guys at, uh, oh, should I say, guy and girl, uh, Gemma and Ant at New Moulton. I was told had taken Omni on. Uh, the indication of the three hand pumps could be uh, a good indication of that. New Malton was still open, so I don't know whether they're running both uh, together at the moment or what. But uh, yeah, if I'd, if I'd been walking, I hadn't been going anywhere else, and I would have probably popped into both and just uh, seen how things are lying. But it's nice to see places reopening and certainly to see those hand pumps on there. Um, you know, it's uh, it'll be another addition on the on the map, Mike. Next time you come up, and yeah, I say. This podcast think, is called Mold Travel Ale, but we haven't actually done a pub crawl around Mold. No, we need to do it. Uh, yeah, I think Royal Oak have been following on, on Facebook. They've been quite proactive in asking people yeah. what kind of things they want. And I think they've got at least one cask on. 
And I think they're on about getting a few, you know, they will put more in so as, as it kind of reopens. So I think they're, they're gearing themselves well. towards mass market, you know, younger, yeah. younger yeah. crowds. Like um, yeah. But there again, during the day, they've got a real ale on, you know, I'll, I'll still go in there sort of thing. So, because for various reasons, because of kind of work and family commitments, we kind of, it's not likely that we're probably going to get uh, much kind of together and out, and out with our normal beer, beer trips until probably at least Easter. So we thought, well, what we do for a couple of weeks because we kind of we pretty much caught up on all the trips that we've done and, and been on kind of end of next year, end of last year, and the start of this year. So uh, I mentioned before they used to be really good. Well, it's it's pause at the moment, um, and I know Simon often listens to this. So we, I did say we'd play due deference to the Chronicles of Beer, uh, which has got a bit of a York uh, theme as well because Adam, the guy who kind of leads that, is York based, um, and they they've been doing a, kind of an a, a, a to Z of beers. So I kind of pulled in that slightly. I thought, well, we could do an A, an a to Z of kind of pub, pub crawls and the things that would come to mind when we, when we kind of think about great pubs, great beer. So that's the plan. So I don't know whether we'll go all the way through the alphabet in the next few weeks, but we'll give it a good go. Then we can always pause it and we do get to meet up again. And, and certainly probably Easter, I'm, I'll be probably trying to get up to Yorkshire. So we might try and organise something there as well. Um, so we said we'd keep it simple this week and just do ABC to kind of kick it off. So we've each gone away and had a thought about if, you know, something to do with pubs, something to do with visiting places. And it's been quite interesting, actually, what we all come up with. Uh, a bit of history, a um, couple of actual uh, pubs that are going to come up, um, a couple of breweries that are going to come up. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting really how we've all, all slightly gone for slightly different things. So we'll kick off. We'll start off with A. And I'm going to kick off because I've kind of been doing my history bit on me kind of pub stuff. So, uh, oh, yeah, I found this very weird bloke on the on YouTube who sings songs about letters. <laughs> uh, so here's a name. They, 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 so. they go on about him on uh, Radio 5 Live. He sings people's names as well, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, I think it's a bit like saying it, kids. So so my I thought we'd kick off and, I'll, you know, kind of kick it all off. So, again, for those on YouTube, I've got a picture here of... Well, she's an alewife. And now, gentlemen, can you explain what's going on here? Your, well, when, your, the, your when the gentleman went out to work, uh, because the water wasn't fit to drink, there was only beer to drink, so the uh, gentleman in the house got out to work, and in order to get a bit of extra income, the uh, alewife would brew the beer. So um, the people get it on the way to work, at lunchtime on the way home, so they're drinking cholera-infested dirt. So it was the original cottage industry, really, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah very much. And, and very female-based as well until... The industrialization of, of all things. So, anything else in the picture that uh, we could maybe comment on for those? Yeah, she, see, she, she looks like one of them chav wives who basically never gets out of her uh, sleepwear, wanders to shops in her um, pajamas. Looks like she's wearing a nighty, is she? And what's hanging outside a house? A flying broom, hey. by the looks of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's the broomstick. So, by all accounts, this began, I think, with the Romans when we, and we, we talked about this one. I think we talked about pub signs. Mm. Uh, many many years ago, that the Romans began to put signs outside of uh, inns and taverns to let people know what was in there, and also part of that, I think you mentioned Nick, it was kind of some taxing as well, so that it was good quality, and also that the revenue men knew where to call. Yeah. So by all accounts, the first, if you like, English pub signs were actually brews. So when the alewife was brewing, or she had her beer ready, she would put a broom, and like Bruce said, it is like it's like a witch's uh, a witch's broomstick, or a well, these days, that's what you call it, a bloody Harry Potter broomstick. Um, and it's interesting, actually, because I did a bit did a bit more research about this. And, yeah, the alewives are very much connected to kind of maybe the stories of witches as well. So, again, for those on YouTube, there's a picture here that I've got off some history, history channel place of an alewife, and she's got a black cat. She's got a pointy black hat. Uh, she's got it. She's got the broomstick. Uh, obviously, the cats were, were to keep the rats down um, from eating all the malt, which obviously was being brewed up. So this was ale, which was mainly made out of malt. Of course, no hops at this time. And apparently, the pointy hat became part, of, again, of the kind of tradition that the best alewives had the biggest pointy black hats. Um, and so this is kind of all where it is. So you can start to see the kind of connection with witches, because, again, apparently a lot of the pictures you see of people being dunked in the in the local pond are not actually witches, they're alewives who have sold bad ale or have undersold. So they've, you know, we've mentioned again yeah. the, the tankards that people had and the, and the kind of crap they used to pour into the beer to, to kind of make it go longer and therefore get make more money. Oh, so, men, yeah. have, men have got shit face and then following day, <laughs> yeah. not, to, not turned up to work 
and blame yeah. the blame the uh, the, <laughs> blame the, the, the alewife. Yeah. yeah. Common criminal offence in York, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Squire. I couldn't come to work because of the alewife. Yeah. But again, as, as as with all things, as the agricultural revolution initially kind of kicked in and, and closed your app, which moved people who kind of started to move people towards places like York, then this, the, the ale white slightly began to kind of um, kind of you know drop off, and obviously ale houses took over and beer houses. And again, we've mentioned before about how many of those there were in York, and so that gives obviously our ale, ale house, and obviously that is the kind of the forerunner um, of the English pub. Um, again, we could go on and talk about inns and taverns, and they've all got slightly different um, kind of historical links. Uh, but the alehouse is still very much kind of either colloquially where you kind of go to the pub. And again, I was just reflecting, we, we've got some good alehouses that we visited. So my two in, in uh, Stoke-on-Trent are the, the London Road alehouse. Uh, I think Nick, you've been in there with me. And the Bridge Street alehouse, which again is one Newcastle which actually is just across the road from the hot water, so where I tend to go. Uh, we've mentioned the Fanny's Ale House in Saltaire, which is used to be one of the few few places you could buy a beer in Saltaire. The only place, the, yeah. The good old days. Yeah. Um, and I remember, we, I, don't, I, can, I can still remember, we had a, a cracking day after Boxing Day in there, um, after being <laughs> stuck on trains in the very snowy West Yorkshire, um, and it was lovely in there. And then Foley's Ale House, again, we, we've mentioned that, because I think that was one of my choices for Leeds, but... This was the, well, it was York Brewery, wasn't it, that uh, had it for a while. But I understand, it's, I don't know, I, I tried to check today. I think it might still be closed. Um, mm. No, I, I think, because um, obviously Leeds sold all their pubs out. So it isn't, it's uh, it's Dixon's now, isn't it? Or it's Black, Black Sheep. Sheep. Black, it was York, then it was Black Sheep, but it shut in the, it shut during COVID and, and the Facebook site says it's still shut at the moment. And Mr and Foley uh, was the head of a... I think there was a solicitors or an insurance that occupied that building. Yeah, that's and he right, was yeah. he was the 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 head yeah. director of of the business. So it's, it's quite a unique place, wasn't it, Mister Foley's alehouse? We, we can, I think yeah, we well, talked in, our, in, in our Leeds episode. We talked it, about it. Was it, one yeah. of those new converted? Well, not new building, but you know, uh, a traditional, very interesting, unique building converted to a real ale bar. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the first in Leeds, so you know we used yeah. to win the traditional pubs in Leeds, but for something a bit different, yeah, you yeah. went in, uh, you went in there, didn't you? Yeah, and again, just while we're on that, again, if anybody, um, the Pel- Pellicle, which is kind of one of the kind of trade magazines, craft magazines, craft magazines, they've actually just done a whole, um, well, a, a number of articles, but then a podcast uh, on Leeds, and really interesting to listen to that about the growth of kind of beer in Leeds, the, the, the North Bar, <coughs> one of the first ever craft bars in the whole of the UK, and then Northern Monk. Uh, and some of the other uh, obviously breweries, because when you said you know Leeds used to be the, the city of pubs and Manchester used to be the city of breweries, and now there's, it's slightly swapped light in that there's lots of really good uh, breweries in Leeds now, aren't they? You know, cracking breweries like um, uh, what's the? Well, I'm thinking. Of, so you've got Leeds Brewery, you've got Northern Monk, you've got North Brewing. Um, what's the one? Kirkstall, Kirkstall Abbey, and obviously the old clean place like that we like that as well. So that was my choice about a little bit kind of why we love pubs and I think Fall is a good example of those kind of interesting places that we go to. Nick, you kind of continue the thing because your choice was ale, as in yeah. cream ale, blonde ale, winter ale, brown ale. Well, I mean, ale, ale, ale is an umbrella uh, name, isn't it? If you talk about ale, then people really know that you're talking about real, real beer. Uh, that said, obviously, there are various brews now purporting to be ale and they're somewhat removed from real beer. But yeah, whether it's brown, whether it's cream, which is obviously a popular style in America, whether it's uh, amber, uh, whether it's uh, India pale ale, except, you know, often it's called IPA and IPA was behind the revolution. Uh, positives with IPA. IPA turned quite a few people from drinking lager to drinking beer when they saw this light, fairly fizzy uh, beer at the bar and when they're asking the person behind the bar, you know, what they can recommend and, well, it's like a lager with some taste to it. And I always remember one of the pubs I went in and one of those uh, geezers who would normally be seen with a pint of Stella uh, asked the bloke behind the bar for a pint of that uh, Iper, please. Can I have a pint of that Iper, mate? What? What? <laughs> the Iper. What, what, what do you mean? The Iper. The Iper beer, mate. The IPA. All oh, right, yeah, India Pale Ale. So he obviously didn't know IPA stood for India Pale Ale. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a revolution. But obviously, it's referred to as ale, going back to the old descriptions of um, of beer, and we we know the history of the IPA. 
I was watching TV last night, actually. There was a comedian on. He was saying he'd been uh, out for a meal in a, a restaurant. And the man next door to him asked for a portion of man, get out. We say, man, get out. But then he said, look, man, get out. Of course, Monge too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a picture. Well, those on YouTube again. Those on YouTube. So we've got pictures. I've got, I've got some winter ale on here. got some brown ale. We've talked about Newcastle brown ale again. Sadly, another another sad reflection of, it, of its former glory. And, and Boddington's, which might come up in a, in a short while as well, which used to be a cream ale. Actually, Boddington's used to be classed as a, as a cream ale. And, of course, we mentioned it, mentioned pale ale there. On that cam there, it says pub ale. I know, pub ale. I, I don't know. I just Googled it and, it, and I, I put in cream ale and bottom ale. pub ale came up. Mm. And obviously we mentioned that Tadcaster, one of the reasons why they were, became such a brewing centre was the, if you like, the sharp water, that water with all the limestone and gypsum in it was great at making pale ales. And pale ales, again, it mentioned revolution, but there was a, there was a revolution first in the kind of 1800s when the, the expanding, you know, uh, cotton mills and wool mills need, needed thirst quenching beers and porters and strong beers, which were the stouts, which were the, the normal, uh, move, move way to pale ale and obviously miles as well. And, and we, we won't get started on miles because that's another one. So, Bruce, now your Aiton, uh, sorry, your A uh, stands for Aiton. And again, it it's part of your beery highlights, isn't it? That it is. you were uh, back yesterday. Yeah. I was struggling for an A, and then lo and behold, yesterday morning, I found myself in Great Aiton. Uh, She's to the uh, south uh, east of uh, Middlesbrough on the edge of the North Yorkshire Moors in the shadow of Roseby Topping. Can't believe I'm 55. I've never been before. Have you two been before? Yeah, we used to play football there, didn't we? At school, we used yeah. to play because it's a funny, it's, it's there's a funny, uh, well, not say funny, there's a very small independent school there that uh, it's a posh kids, bless them. Yeah, which yeah. I think, if, and that, on the picture there is a picture of James Cook as a, as a young, young boy because obviously James yeah. Cook is, uh, uh, and I think he went to that school, which is why the school's got a slight fame. That I yeah. think it's a school that he went to the school in that. In the, so yeah. this is kind of on the edge, isn't it? It's on the edge of North Yorkshire. I guess can we go to the very, Bruce? very bottom of the moors? Uh, right. It is in North Yorkshire. Coffee, it's yeah. just in North Yorkshire, isn't it? It's on the border. Yeah. Well, in North Yorkshire. And is it can we do it? That's net over the border. Then? Well, Teesside, is it? Can we do it? Cleveland stroke Teesside, if Cleveland exists anymore. But I've said, what a splendid place it was. Um, I've been really bad to go there because he was at scout selection uh, thing. So, I mean, friend went up and done a bit of research. And what a great stop it is. Um, it felt to me as though you were almost in the uh, a village in the Cotswolds, but in uh, in North Yorkshire. Uh, incredibly wealthy village. Uh, but everybody very, very friendly, I have to say. Uh, and we started, uh, we got there in time, dropped TV off at Cartland, Cleveland, drove great in. And I've been doing a bit of research. We went to the um, Royal Oak Hotel to start with. It was quite nice, a beamed room. Um, Quite atmospheric, very welcoming. Um, I did a bit of research uh, and they did a full Yorkshire breakfast for eight pounds seventy-five. Um, we sat there, had a fantastic breakfast, all sorts from Petch's Butchers next door, which is the reason most people go there. And when it came to the bill, it was tiny, and I said, "Yeah, you missed the breakfast." And he goes, "No, it's Saturday morning. It's bound to get one free." Insane! <laughs> oh, I know, fantastic it was. Did you have a pipe with it, bros? No, I did it actually. I had to drink oh, yeah. So, uh, so then we potted next door to try uh, Petch's pies. I've been here about Petch's pies for years. When we sort of pie shop bucket list, um, <coughs> and I have to say, people travel miles for those pies. Um, and you literally walked about the village afterwards. By this time, it was time for them. And there were people who just rocked up to Great Inn, and they were leaving that butchers with like not bags. They were leaving that with boxes of pies. Everywhere with the people getting shipping orders full of pies. Very good pies, where I have to say, but a very Slightly different style to the Yorkshire pies. We have that coarse grind. These were more um, very fine grind, very sort of soft. Are you talking pork? Yeah, yeah, they were very good. I have pork, to say, right. a different style, but not not meat and dirty. Yes, and then oh well, and so say by this time the place is this bizarre you know, large village is filling up with people. The car park's full. People are parked wherever they can, uh, and uh, we had mooch about. And uh, they've got two micro pubs as well as the book in the other pub. Sadly, the quarry stores are up so far, but it looked great. I mean, you can't believe this is a village. There's everything there. There's, you know, there's pubs, there's bakers, there's butchers, there's pie shops. Um, but also it's famous for uh, Suggets, uh, which uh, is the sweetie yeah, shop and ice cream parlour that belongs to the farms across the road. Um, should have taken a picture inside, actually. Astonishing place, this. Go inside. It's like going back 50 years. Not being altered. It's just being preserved. The major range of sweeties. And uh, you get like a, a wonderful... Uh, 99 made with ice cream for Milk Cross Road for like £1.20. And I said, I was talking to the lady, very friendly she was. I said, this is amazing. I can't believe they've been here before. It's wonderful. Mm. Don't be telling everybody, she says. We like it the way it is. 
<laughs> no, let's put him on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all right, Bruce. We're not telling many people then. <laughs> it is. A, it's a bit. It's kind of. It's not on the A19. It's not on the A1. It's kind of in between yeah. the two, isn't it? So I, it's in a bit of a hinterland. Uh, if people been. To, if people have ever walked Rosemary Topping, which is kind of the again on that again for those on YouTube. The, the kind of the logo for Great Eight and has got Rosemary Top in the background, which is a, a very, well, it's not famous. It's it's kind of a, a very well-known landmark at that end of North Yorkshire. And it looks like a bit of a kind of a distinct volcano. And it's like it's a yeah, yeah. thing up. And again, yeah, Watts Pub there, the King's Head, it mentions the Tannery, which I guess is one of those uh, brew pubs you run about yeah, for yeah. micro, Royal Oak and the Book. And like you say, there's also... The quarry stone as well. So for a little village, it's, is the uh, king's yeah. the, is the is the king's head actually in Great Ayn, or is that the one in? in I think that's just outside, isn't it? Yeah, because that's that's that's, yeah. that's part of the collection. So we've yeah. been there, Mike. We've had some yeah. tweeting there. <laughs> they're part. Yeah, of this, Ro- this, Newton and Rosebury. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. part of the pub chain that I've talked about. The mass uh, expanding massively all of the north of mm. England, taking up prime positions in Lake District and places like that. So. Uh, in Amble as well, that Amble in where we went when we were in Northumberland, that's one of the in collection. So, yeah, very good, good stuff. So, that's A. So, interesting A. So, let's move on to B's now. Again, Bruce, interesting your first choice here. So, you've gone for what well, you've gone for a beer slash a brewery. So, um, here's Bob again with his B's. So, the first B is a Boddington, and there, there's a very splendid picture of the old Boddington's brewery, which I understand now is part of Manchester College now. No, I'm sad. So, Obviously, I mean, Bodies has gone completely, hasn't it? I don't think anybody brews it anymore. No, only in America, I believe it. But yeah. in fact, uh, it's gone, I didn't realise it was now part of the Manchester College because, amazingly, I mean, Bodies was born out of Manchester Grammar School. Yeah. In the 1300s, Manchester Grammar School literally had the monopoly on uh, grain and brewing um, in Manchester. There was a huge demand there with the workforce. And, of course, they had a, a workforce of uh, schoolboys who used to get to work free of charge. Uh, and I believe it also... Um, no, hang on, bros. Wasn't the brewery set up because... The grammar school had the control of the grain and stuff. It was it. So it was it was, it, it was some entrepreneurs that said we're not going to be uh, beholden to them. So they established the brewery just outside of the control that the the grammar school or the university had. That's right. There were a couple of people who decided uh, that because the uh, because of the monopoly they had, they'd set up um, their own strange ways brewery, so mm. it became um, uh, Boddington's. Uh, but eventually, mm. there was a fellow called um, John uh, Boddington. Uh, and um, Henry Bonnet, rather, his brother, Henry, John, yeah. started it. Um, and Henry sort of grew the business really. He was a salesman and turned into this classic monolithic uh, brand, which he was. And of course, for us, it became uh, ridiculous for those Melanie Sykes fans, didn't it? But I have to say, um, we'll talk all day about this. But if you go and see, uh, put Manchester's finest, uh, the rise and fall of Bonnet into your search engine, there's a cracking article uh, in Manchester's finest. It's a really good read. I think I sent you, Michael, didn't I? Uh, if we have a look at it in terms of um, what everything that went through, but it ends, I mean, it was raised the ground in the Blitz. Um, you know, it was bought by Whitbread, who sort of, you know, at one point started to look after it, and of course, it went through the hands of all these corporations till eventually it all disappeared. Uh, it's a cracking read. Um, so, whilst I say now, sadly, it only seems to exist. Uh, I've we talked about John Smith the other week, actually, which made me look, and I have seen John Smith's move on mm. supermarket shelves, but. Can they see any Boddington's? Yeah, I've, I've seen Boddington's in cans, yeah. The only time I've well, seen uh, it, my drinks menu, yeah. I'm just reading it now. It says that, uh, interestingly, it was, it was one of the first beers that had, had a widget, because obviously the yeah. creaminess, um, so they were the, one of the first cans in the in the, in the the world that had to put the widgets in. Mm. So again, it's a similar story, isn't it? In 1989, Boddington's Brewery was bought up by Whitbread. Yeah. Um, and they did they did continue in with marketing and national distribution, Bodden's achieved its peak market share in 1997 when it was being exported to the 40 countries. Uh, Boddington's beer brands are now owned by uh, Anisha Bush InBev, uh, which acquired the Whitby Brew Company in 2000. In 2000, Strange Brew was closed in 2004. The production of pasteurised keg and can Boddington's was moved to Smalesbury in Lancashire. We mentioned them before because that's where they do Tetley's now, isn't it? And there was something else that brew gets brewed up there. Um, and cask-conditioned beer was moved to Hyde's Brewery in Mossside. So it stayed in Manchester, the cask, but was discontinued in 2012. So reading this, it basically says that Boddington's now is, is extinct. Um, they might in-brew. Uh, it, was a, it was in 2010, it was still six highest selling beer in the UK. Um, Must have been cans, like, Yeah, it looks like... I'm sure I've seen it in cans in the supermarket. Yeah. 
like Stones. We've talked yeah, about Stones just, before. Just said it was discontinued, or well, the cast were discontinued in 2012. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe one to look out for. But, yeah, like, you, you know, a like that could be just thrown away in the interest of, you know, because the value yeah. of profit is absolutely shocking. And again, going back, if we go back, you know, it was, it was a cracking pint. It was pulled tight. It was a hoppy bitter, typical Northern bitter, pulled really tight in, uh, you know, in a Northern pub. Um, and it, it was, it was a cracking beer. And people often say that. I think maybe it, it got a bit kind of, a bit like Doombar, I guess. It got very uh, ubiquitous, didn't it? It was everywhere. Um, and if you ever bought any cans, if you went to a barbecue, you took four cans of, uh, you know, yeah. bodies with you. Uh, but it was a cracking pint in cask. It was a wonderful pint. I'd like to see um, Doombar become extinct, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Right. So uh, my beer is a pub. Uh, well, a tap house. Ooh. So my B is which is somewhere I quite like going. I think I think it's growing on Nick mainly because when I we text me and he's he's got the loyalty card, so he's probably got another free pint due as well. Um, which is the Brass Castle Tap House. <laughs> so actually, I keep seeing Brass Castle are getting getting about quite a bit actually. A couple of places that have had them in, in the bar this week. Are, are we doing it? Oh, you've only got two on that one. So we, we need to revisit. So Brass Castle, obviously, Sapper Molten again, probably about eight or nine years ago now. Uh, they kind of, if you like, re revisited brewing once the Molten Brewery Company had kind of fallen down a little bit and went a bit of a beer desert again. That these guys came along, um, began brewing behind where the tap house is uh, in, I think, what was a lawnmower um, shed, wasn't it? A lawnmower and business. It was a suitcase yeah. shop for years. Yeah, and then the suitcase shop was in the front here. Mm. And if you remember back in an episode where we did talk about Molten, this I, I found this was actually a temperance hotel. Uh, back in the day, <laughs> All right. um, the actual building was actually a temperance hotel. So they've now got a fairly small tap. Uh, it's fairly basic. Uh, it's uh, one room, toilets out the back. Um, there's a nice little courtyard now, which connects the kind of tap room to the brewery. And again, if you remember me, Nick and, and Finn, my son, we sat in the sun at the Molten Food Festival and a few nice beers in, in the, the courtyard there. Uh, to be honest with you, I like it best because it's one it's the one place where you can get cask of bad seed brewery, which is another one of Molten's breweries now as well. Like to be quite honest, I probably prefer bad seed. Um, so their take on pails and uh, IPAs to uh, uh, Brass Castles. Brass Castle standout is for me is Bad Kitty, which is their kind of stout, which is pretty good, pretty nice, pretty quaffable. So I quite like the tap house. Uh, it's a bit rough and ready. Uh, there's a big table on the right as you go in, which, which is where the most regulars tend to kind of haunt. Um, so Mick, me and you, Nick, I've got a picture of us both. We're sat in the window. Those window okay. seats are lovely to kind of watch the world go by. Um, and then there are seats at the side. There's a couple of kind of old kind of pinball type machine game things, aren't they? And um, this is an old kind of space invaders in there as well. No, they, had, they, had a, they had an old old one arm bandit but I think I think they sold it on now right okay uh, and then the canning on. machine's gone as well I think because these have a canning machine the growler well. no I think, I think that's, that's still, still by there? the bar right. they've got a, a growler uh, where yeah they pull it into the can and then put the, the can lid on for you right um, their own and growler again it's got slightly on. slightly limited opening hours and again we've we discussed that before so you've got to be a little bit careful if you want to call in dead handy for both the station and, and, and the bus bus station in Moulton because it's a two minute walk <laughs> Um, and again, if you're stuck in a traffic jam, you'll go past Brass Castle because it's on the kind of famous Butcher's Corner, which understandably has been chaos, hasn't it, for the last couple of weeks, come Malton Moan you know, with roadworks and whatever else and the roundabout mm. being closed. So I always quite enjoy popping in here when I'm uh, back in the in the mother town. And I say often because they not only do they sell their own beers, but there's also a couple of guests on. And I said they regularly have bad seed beers on as well as the Brass Castle ones as well. So. And as, as we said there, they do a loyalty card. So I think, is it eight pints and you get one free, Nick, or six pints and you get one free, something like that? Uh, yeah. That's a play on my wallet again. Yeah. 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 No worries. So that was my B. So that just leaves, Nick, your B, which you've already gone, give us a little bit of a theme because you waved your glass at us, didn't you? So you, you've chosen Bass for your B. It has to be. Bass for Bass. It was the beer that put British Brewing on the world map, wasn't it? You know, and also the other distinction of being the first registered um, trademark. That poor employee, although it's still not being absolutely proved that the story is correct, but supposedly the little employee was sent out on New Year's Eve to sit in line in 1876, I think it was, to be the first one at the uh, the registrations office to register the red triangle 
as registration mark number one in Britain. And I think number two, Bass got with their blue triangle as well. And the red triangle was a symbol of a quality beer that was then reproduced by others, copied by others, and appeared in various different famous artworks by well-known uh, painters of that time, the late 18th, 19th century. Uh, and as I say, uh, Bass, where they were based in Burton there, they basically sent beer out all around the world and made, I suppose, brewing into a, into, you know, they, they, went, they were like Super League, weren't they? In that, you know, the whole town of Burton was laid out uh, specific to the breweries with the railways and everything and how they were able to produce the product and get it out there. So, yeah, Bass, uh, Bass is my B. And yeah, and like you say, it became, if you like, the way that you brewed beer in, certainly from the kind of 1800s onwards, wasn't it? And we talked before about the, the union system that they kind of established, the, the, the water, which again, people all over the world Burtonized their water to, to, to create beers now in the style of Burton. And again, Nick, of course, it was IPA that made them famous. It was their, their IPA, like you said, going around the world. And then often, sometimes overlooked, though, also the, the, the Baltic Porter as well, the, the even stronger beers that went off to Russia, and uh, although we probably shouldn't mention them at the moment, should we? Imperial um, yeah. Scouts and stuff. And, and I think if, if we're talking about pub crawls and pubs, that, that Bass Triangle and that Bass logo is, again, probably one of the well known, most well-known ones, even pubs that don't have Bass, because um, that's getting a bit, little bit of a... Uh, oh, that's that's right, that's where... Sorry, we talked about Smells, Smallsbury in Lancashire, that's where they brew Bass now as well. So as well as brewing Boddington's, that, that's where they that's where the only place they brew bass these days up in Lancashire, because it's not oh. brewed in uh, in Burton anymore. Uh, and again, it, back in the day, it was a cracking pint. Um, often, it was one of those beers actually that you could get away with it just being served straight from the barrel. And I mentioned before a couple of pubs that mm. I used to go to that uh, it was served in, in jugs, and they just and that it, and it although you know it feels like an athlete to say that it tasted blooming good. Um, yeah. It didn't go particularly far. I know they uh, that certain style, didn't they? Often there would be a, a, a yeah. quite plush snug rubber, like button leather seats. It was yeah. like a quite plush, quite tweak. And they'd have a really utilitarian sort of um, yeah. bar, wouldn't you, for the proper drinkers. Well, that was a big distinction in the pubs, wasn't there? And that and that 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 their logo works so well in, in Red Neon as well. You remember the pub the when you're coming over the M62 and they used to have yeah. that big neon bass sign on the end yeah. of the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, still like, I still like to know what happened to it because the yeah. pub, I understand it was bought by two or three brothers and they called it like the three brothers pub, but they did the typical, I think, ripped it all out and did it all like uh, shaker style with the, you know, the wooden wooden floors and the, that, that grey colour that they seem to be painting all these these yeah. craft bars now. And uh, when, the, when the, the sign disappeared, I mean, it might have been even bit big for my collection that because, I mean, you could see it from the M62 up on the hill there. It was just that classic sign on all weathers you know m62s are known for like when the weather's poor but you could see that bass sign shining out there and it works so well with the red neon like so yeah do you think of the, i mean the, the range of beers that was quite limited was it i mean i'm looking now i mean basically they, they did bass draft bass bass bitter yeah, uh, which was 4.4 they did they did bass ale which yeah. was a little bit that was the exported version that you got in bottles it was five percent they did bass extra smooth which was the keg version Bass Mild, uh, Quadruple X, and Bass Best Scotch, which I guess was the Scotland trade. Yeah. But that was it. They didn't really do many much styles. I mean, that's, I mean that's, most... what, that's what every brewery did 20, yeah. 30, 40 years ago. This, this is one of my criticisms of the modern breweries. Instead of concentrating stuff and getting somewhat consistent, they think they have to pop a different flavour out every week. Yeah, yeah. But that was all. And then, of course, famously, Shandy Bass, which apparently oh, wow. was actually yeah. brewed by Britvic, but it was real Bass. Not uh, 0.5% ABV Shandy. Bass beer and lemonade, that was cracking, didn't it? When we were 12, 13, it was cracking yeah. a, a bass shandy. Shandy bass, very nice. Big, you don't see that big in cans. Region, do you? No, no, no that, 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 that was in 500 milliliter cans, wasn't it? Uh, other, discontinued other... in discontinued in 2018, apparently. Yeah, any other soft drink you got was all 330 milliliters, your little and your fanty, and your, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, if you went for your shandy bass, and they had a, they had a lager one as well, didn't they? They had a Pilsner yeah. shandy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I remember that, Mike. Friday, Friday night when we had to get our own tea, when mum and dad started going out, um, it used to be, yeah, make your own tea and the uh, treat was a, a well, I've come back and Bruce mentioned scouts out that's so I used to have come back from scouts. Oh, yeah, scouts are Friday night, 
Uh, or Thursday night. And I remember you coming back in after charging around for an hour and a half. And like I say, one of those big 440 cans of Shandy Bass was lovely. Very nice. <laughs> often, like we fish and chips as well. Often, mm. All the chippies sold as well. That's what's good to have a chips. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean, Bruce Min, you did have, did a, um, a, a, a whatever, a pilgrimage to, to the bass in just How about the kind of, that? yeah, just, well, God, I, I don't think we had kids or if we had, Harriet was very, very young. So it must right. be 20 odd years ago. And it was, uh, I mean, that was just probably just when Bass was starting to, I guess, disappear because yeah, yeah. um, we went around the big brewery and that was all very much cans and lagers. And um, obviously the, the, the museum was still the Bass Museum then. It's now the, the National Brewing Museum, but it was still very much Bass. And I think we, we had some cracking beer, didn't we, in the, in that, in, oh, the, yeah. uh, in the little tap room that they had there. And I tell you what, it was pre-mobile phones because I remember you two phoning me up from a telephone box <laughs> to phone your missus to come and pick you up because mm. there was no more buses or trains or something. Right. You were both out <laughs> flattered. And I say, I had to then phone your, your, your wife up and say, Phil, you've got to go to Burton and pick Michael and Bruce up because they're, they're in the telephone box. There's no way they can get home. So it was, it was pre-mobile yeah. phones, put it that way. Yeah, that probably was. So, yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's a little bit, it's not quite, Burton's not quite the... Uh, Although I, I didn't know they've had a beer a beer a week on this last week or so as well, and there is some obviously there's, there's the Burton Bridge Brewery um, and one or two other new breweries that have set up in Burton. And obviously, brewing still dominates the, the town. Marston's is still hanging on there, um, and that still is very much the old fashioned brewing, the old fashioned brewery. So again, just, again, just reading here, UK Bass um, InBev brought them out in 2005. It passed. They actually gave the um, the brewing to Marston's, and they were brewing it for a while. But now it's now brewed up in Lancashire again, um, and it's also brewed in the US and in Belgium as well. So, uh, so there we go. So that was our B. So again, uh, uh, well, two two breweries uh, and a tap room. So let's move on to C. Here's Bob again with our number C, hmm. and I'm going to kick us off. So I guess linked in a way. So I've chosen Cameron's mainly as a kind of a, a really just a, a C to kind of get us going, and probably more importantly for us would be kind of Cameron Strongarm because again um certainly when I first started drinking that was that was one of the brews of choice it was probably one of the most like alongside probably Tetley's um in in Malton um mm. most either every other pub they didn't sell Tetley's this 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 they um they saw Ca- uh, Cameron Strongarm which was a mm-hmm. ruby red ale which again was quite unique wasn't it I think for mm. Maybe our our neck of the woods, really. I was I'm always surprised when I see it was only four percent because you always felt like it was stronger than that. It was it was slightly stronger, but it no. Yeah, it but a, no, I think cameras on the normal bitter at about three point seven, three point eight. Yeah, so it was a little bit stronger, maybe. I had a half yesterday in the Spread Eagle pub in uh, Stokesley. Spread Eagle's not a great pub, I have to say, Masters pub. But that strong arm on the bar side, a half for all time sick. Four pound forty a pint. They're putting yeah. pretty distinct. I mean, you know, we're living. Yeah. There. Age now where beers are getting quite um bubbling into one, but it's still has that distinct uh, colour, very distinct taste. Half was enough though, yeah. yeah. I think it's permanently on the bar in the new Globy Molten. I think yeah. it's permanently yeah, on yeah. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, again, it was you know, I, again, it probably doesn't quite taste what it used to taste like. Um, and I'm guessing again with the again with the iconic, you know, the guy on the uh, on the pump clip, it was very much for the steel workers in in Middlesbrough. Uh, it, uh, uh, Cameron's are well. They are now the biggest brewery in the uh, in the in the northeast. Um, it's really near. They, they've still got seventy one tied pubs, um, and it's the oldest industrial concern in Hartlepool, where the brewery is still based. Although, again, I think they're actually bought out by Wolverhampton and Dudley. And now, I think now they're actually owned by Heineken. If you like, if you, if you follow it all up. They're actually a Heineken UK um, conglomerate. The link to Malton, of course, is they bought out Russell's and Rangham's yeah. in the, um, I've just got it written it down somewhere, which was the brewery that was in Malton. Um, you've got a couple of Russell and Rangham's. One of the breweries. You both yeah. have, haven't you? You've both got a, a tin from then. Yeah, and yeah. of course, that again, so although they didn't do any brewing in Malton, they had quite a large distribution uh, warehouse up in, well, almost in the centre of Malton, didn't they, in, on, on Castlegate? Didn't so they brew in it? Kids. Uh, no, did they I did no, they didn't brew anything malting. It was more of a distribution. It was kind of uh, I, I remember re- our next door neighbor, it stuff. It was like old days. They used to get part of the pay in, in beer and they used to bring a yeah. bucket of beer home with him. Eight pints I of think beer. It came in day. tanks. I think it came in what was really it came in tanks. 
Right. And then they then kind of re- put it in barrels or the bottles or, or everything else there as well. Um, so again, it was, it, you know, that was very much um, uh, part of our heritage. If you were going into Malton from where we live, you passed Cameron's on, on the, you know, you couldn't really go past it really. So I think just for, just for, if you like, old time sakes, uh, again, they had quite a lot of tied houses. So again, quite a few of the pubs that we would frequent in the good old days were Cameron's houses. And, and more recently, of course, they, they took control of the uh, Leeds Brewery pubs. They, they're all being run by Cameron's. And of course, the head of steam bars that we talked about. Um, and in particular, I know you guys love the Sheffield uh, head of steam. Mm. And there's, there's the one in Leeds as well, isn't there? They're, ex- they're ex- expanding. Certainly, that's um, the way they were trying to go two years ago. They were actively asking people to recommend sites for them around the country. They basically put a list up and said, look, this is where we want to create heads of steam. Uh, so if you know of anywhere that's suitable, let us know a bit like Tim Mike does at Weatherspoons. Yeah, and of course, they're still brewing out of their Lion Brewery, which again still has 12 Yorkshire squares, which wow. again, we mentioned in quite a few uh, breweries. Uh, obviously, Sam Smiths uh, have those as well. I was just trying to find a bit about uh, Malton again, because I, I, I saw it and I've lost it again. Uh, oh, we go. In 1961, Russell's Arango of Malton was acquired with 90 licensed public houses. So that, they're the ones that probably... We, we knew that would have been taken over uh, and worked it through. So Cameron, to me, is a little bit of a nostalgia. Um, I think, yeah, if I'm in a pub and I see Strong Arm, I probably would have a pint of it just for old time's sake. And as Nick's mentioned there, the Globe in Malton was one of our regulars, Bruce, wasn't it, when we first, uh, oh, well, first we came of it? Well, in fact, before we were came of age, because we were allowed to sit in the back room <laughs> and drink bo- and along drink bottles. He was the <laughs> landlord was very happy. Barry, was Barry, Barry, yeah, and so, Barry and Barry and Sue. They were so they were a... the they were the ubiquitous landlord and landlady. It was yeah. always one of them behind the bar. Yeah. They were the typical, quite portly, but always jolly. And yeah, they were the the absolute classic land, just the sort of people you want to run the pub, and that's why they were there so long, and that's oh, why yeah. they built up such a clientele. That was the pub to go into. Uh, now it's 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 changed its colours a little bit. It's it's more the lively pub in town now. I'm not saying don't go in there, but discos, karaoke's, people falling around after a bit too much beer. Uh, don't read the reviews. Going at lunchtime, it's actually quiet, there. and yeah. the old boys are in there and have a nice pint. Uh, mm. So the next two now entering your other seat, you both chose pubs. Um, and once again, we've mentioned fairly recently on podcasts. So, uh, yeah. which is a slightly blurred picture, Bruce. But this is, I know, one of your one of your pubs of all time with some very yeah. interesting stained glass windows, isn't it? He's um, got two oh, The Crown Posada in the do, open the tune. Uh, so the, the outside bit. Uh, probably one of the, doubtly one of the ten best pubs in the country. Uh, legend has it it was um, bought by a visiting Spanish sea captain. who's was a regular caller at uh, the dock, and he bought it for his uh, Geordie mistress to give her some gainful employment. Obviously, a place for him to go and take all his friends. Uh, it's absolutely um, totally unspoiled inside. So it's got those two stained glass windows, fantastic wood paneling, leather seating. Uh, it's actually uh, run by um, uh, John Scott Fitzgerald Group now. They own, uh, I think, about a dozen pubs around Newcastle, possibly more, but they do preserve them all incredibly well. Also, has a really large selection of real ales on, um, big supports of local breweries. Uh, but the place, it's like drinking in a, a museum, and they're friendly too. Um, if you're in Newcastle, it's probably the well, it's the one pub not to miss when Newcastle is its fair season. It? But you could walk past it, Bruce, without realising it's, it's a pub, It's a very really. small entrance. Uh, it's yeah. almost like one of those little Irish pubs. It's just like one long <laughs> narrow room, isn't it? And because of that, it's obviously got a very narrow frontage as well. And it doesn't scream at you as being a pub. I suppose it's because it's not got Sky Sport banners all on the outside of it, and mm-hmm. you know, three bottles of Cronenberg for a tenner or something like that. But no, you, you can you could walk past it, uh, and like you say, it, it's one of those those buildings that you know from when Newcastle was a, a massive port. Uh, so you can understand its heritage, its background. It's but got it's almost kind of like gin palace inside, hasn't it? It's like, you know, as we've mentioned before. Yeah, like, well, those long, narrow. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually reading, Bruce. Actually, it was bought. It's been bought again because I'm reading here. There's an there's a article in the Chronicle uh, in Newcastle. Uh, the Ladhar Group, L-A-D-H-A-R, brought, bought, acquired the pub from St. John, St. John Fitzgerald during lockdown. Um, there was always a knowledge of taking on something very special. So John Fitzgerald <laughs> had developed a great name in the trade. We were conscious of respecting the heritage and integrity of the business. The North East Leisure Company, Ladhar Group, now I've also took on 16 other pubs across the North East. Mm, but the, cool. the crown is definitely the, the crown, the crown jewel. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting. 
Um, and again, apparently they, they have been looking at preserving all those um, stained glass and also, of course, the, the ceiling, which is quite ornate, isn't it, as well, which I guess well, is quite a lot of looking after, really. Uh, yeah. And if you should have um, Newcastle on a Friday and Saturday night, um, as we were recently, uh, it also becomes something of a, a refuge from the madness going on the streets outside. <laughs> now, it also said it's, it's renowned for the gramophone that is that's on the bar. Exactly, yes. It's also had a gramophone uh, playing... Uh, Old uh, records sung constantly. It's been there. I mean, I've been going for over thirty years. And it's I've never turned off. And apparently, it's still the original gramophone. They have some <laughs> needles for them. And um, the Chronicle also says, Bruce, that it's also very well known for its ham and peas pudding, stotties, <laughs> homemade pies, and sausage rolls. So there's another the, reason why Bruce likes it in there. The stotties, they're massive. I have to say, last time we were there, um, they not got back to doing them yet, but they were imminently due, I believe. Yeah, due back on imminently. They are huge. Uh, little peas pudding is. Mm, and a quieter, shall we say. I think uh, cold, squashed, compressed, mushy peas. <laughs> Mixed with lard. Yes. <laughs> so so that's the crowd Posada. So again, that was mentioned very, very frequently in our Northeast pubs crawl back in episode uh, something like 18, 19. And, and Bruce, you mentioned it a couple weeks ago when you, I don't know, you went up and you did a, bit, a couple of tours around the tomb. So again, for anybody visiting the Newcastle on time, and the Crown Posada. And then, Nick, again, you've mentioned this fairly recently, actually, and again, it was mentioned in both of our London pods, I think, um, and you've chosen, again, another pub with a very uh, interesting and, and um, heritage interior, which is yeah. the Shandos. Shandos, home from home. Obviously, last time I went out to London, yeah. uh, I was looking for a couple of pubs, didn't quite get my timings right, but the nice thing with the Shandos is everybody knows how to get to Trafalgar Square, Trafalgar Square is like the massive landmark in London. So even if you do get lost in London, you inevitably always end up getting yourself to Trafalgar Square. So from Trafalgar Square, if you head to the top right hand, no left hand corner of Trafalgar Square, northeast, the Shandos is just there. And once again, typical Sam Smith's pub, because he doesn't put a lot of advertising outside, uh, you can walk past it and not realize it's a pub as such. Uh, typically inside of a Sam Smith's pub, uh, you know, very, very traditional, very well done. You've got those little booths as well. So even uh, what night was it? Was it a Friday or a Saturday night? Managed to get in there, managed to get myself in one of those little booths all on my own, uh, <laughs> just tucked away. You can hear oh, everything that's going on, everybody's conversations, because, of course, there's no music, there's no jukeboxes and no TVs. So you're sat in there in your little booth and you can listen to the conversations either side of you. People are unaware that listening to their conversations, if you're on uh -huh. your own, or you can take a book in. I I picked up a look, couple of London London drinkers as well, so quite happy. Sat on my own, middle of uh, London, uh, having a beer, having a, 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 a old brewery. Um, I think I told you the the last time I'd been in there, but it was not the last time. But the time before that was down at Christmas, and they had uh, Old Stingo on uh, on tap on the bar. Now, if anybody yeah. knows Sam Smith's beers, Old Stingo is the strong one. Uh, Old Stingo is the name for a beer that's quite infamous. There's been poems and songs from Colombia. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, I watched two skip Spanish people come in and order a pint of each of it. <laughs> and uh, one of them took a couple of sips. One of them tried his best, got about a third of the way down it, and they both left them. Not because of the beer, because uh, uh, Stingo is about it's about eight and a half percent, isn't it? Yeah, it's strong. Uh, yeah. Aussie barman behind the bar. I said, uh, surprised to see that on top, mate. He says, oh yeah. He said. Uh, he says, I don't know how London will deal with the uh, the strength of this beer and people not realising what it is. But, uh, yeah, so if anybody's ever going to London and you want a bit of uh, bit of peace from the madding crowd and it gets too much and you think, where can I go for a quick drink? As I say, it's easy to find in terms of where it is, topped left-hand side of Trafalgar Square. Also notice the memorial to uh, Dame Edith Cavell as well. Uh, you'll see there's a, an obelisk memorial with a lady and she was a nurse during World War One. Um, she was the lady who was executed by the Germans for helping uh, our guys who had been injured, uh, interned in the hospitals. She actually helped them escape and get back to uh, friendly lines. And so the Germans realised what she was doing. She was arrested. She was interrogated, and executed. So once again, she's just off to the left hand side. People pile past her, not realising who she is, a true heroine, a true, very, very, very brave lady who, uh, who gave her life for her cause. And so I always pay my respects to uh, Edith Cavell as well when I'm uh, when I'm in that part of London. There's a, a really good write-up actually in what's pub for this. In fact, you can't see it on this, but I didn't know this. Nick. Apparently, if you look up on that corner, there's actually a Cooper 
um, British, yeah, yeah. making yeah. barrels, kind of a, Statue, like a, yeah. a, a stucco thing, yeah. It's yeah, famous so as well. I've never been upstairs, and then there's also a drinking area downstairs as well, but normally about yeah. downstairs. Well, it, again, the just, just reading the, the what's up, it was actually called the Bull's Head until 1885, and it was renamed the Shandos, or named the Shandos in 1891 when it was rebuilt. The upstairs room is called the Opera Room because mm. it's named after the English National, National <laughs> Opera, which is around the corner uh, in the L- London Coliseum. Um, it was it was actually a Masonic lodge back in the 1710, um, but it, again as a pub, it, it's it's it was being used as a pub in the early in the 1600s. Um, the pub was enlarged in 1891 by its owner Edwin Porter, who was a very famous cyclist apparently. And again, it was actually hit by a bomb in the Second World War in 1940, uh, December 29th, doing what was described as the greatest air raid ever in London. So a lot of what you see now is actually rebuilt after the Second World War. So very good. So that's the Shandos. So, yeah, interesting. We've got some interesting ABC there. It works quite well, doesn't it? Some interesting bits there. Some reference back to podcasts that we've done before. So I think we've, we've given you uh, one, two, three, three pubs, uh, three breweries, uh, a little bit of history as well. Um, and somewhere to visit as in Great Aiton. So very good. Now, what I'm going to suggest to do, I've, I've got here... I've got my little bag of Scrabble letters. So rather than just do kind of DEF, which is a bit boring, I'm going to put my hand in here and I'm going to pull out three random letters. I am I, I didn't have a Z, so I've not put Z in, so it won't be Z. And let's just pick the three random letters that we'll do in the Zetland next Hotel, uh, bros. The next uh, yeah. the next one. So the first letter I'm pulling out is H. So that will be a letter that we do in the next podcast is the letter H. Anything comes I'm to mind? I'm writing them down. Home ales is what I used to drink in Loughborough. Yeah. That's one that comes to mind. Harrogate, of course. Yeah. We've, we've, done a, we've done a pub crawl. Hamilton. Hamilton, Hamilton. Hamilton. Hamilton ales and, and Hamilton mm. the place. Okay. Harvey's, Harvey's Brewery down in Sussex. Delicious. Mm-hmm. The next letter is V. V. Oh, Christ. So we've got, obviously, lots of victory ales we could maybe think about. You like your Veltings, you, Bruce, but that's not really ill, is it? Um, <laughs> what's uh, Valhalla? Have we got any any, any uh, oh, Viking name pubs we can Bruce's favourite pub. Bruce's favourite yeah, pub. Very good, yeah. <laughs> so that's a difficult one. Right, and I'll pick the last one. The last letter is going to be O. 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 Ooh, so we've got uh, H, V, and O. So we can maybe think about right. orange, orange, blue, orange Boomer. Osset. <laughs> Osset. Osset, yeah. yeah. Osset the place, Osset the brewery. Um, there must be some other O's that we can think of. So that's the plan. So the next time that we meet, we're going to do the letters H, V and O with all things beer crawly, pub crawly. So that'll be uh, interesting. Very good. Right, gents, I'm off to London on Tuesday, so I might be able to sneak oh. in a... Maybe you tap, um, In fact, you, Bruce, you are uh, probably not far. I've got to go. Where am I? I'm up uh, King's Cross area somewhere. So I know, Bruce, you sent me again. I'll maybe maybe share it next time. A really useful link that was pubs next to stations, wasn't it? In oh, yeah, London, yeah, was yeah, quite yeah, useful. Yeah, yeah. Cool, uh, Weatherspoons at St Pancras, Mike. Get yeah, this, yeah that was that was on the right of batches. It was very good. Yeah. Um, um, and there was uh, if I let me find it because there were some interesting ones that. One two that I'd never never thought of. Quite a few that are on, that are actually on, literally on the station. Because not only did it give you the yeah, it was, kind it was of pub, that, yeah. it was kind of how how quick you can get to the train on there as well. Uh, well, the thing is, if you go in the Weatherspoons, you get a cheaper pint of London Pride than you go in the in the parcel uh, <laughs> loft at which is the fullest pub at King's Cross. Which yeah. it's, it's it's you know it's a shame, but hey, <laughs> one of those crazy situations that the brewery sent it for more expensive than what you can get in in, in spoons. There we go. So open the link. So th- this was um, it was in the Londonist. Was was the uh, so Blackfriars was the Blackfriar, Charing Cross was the Harp, which again we've mentioned in podcasts. Cannon Street was the Old Wine Shades. Not not been to that one. Um, Euston was Euston Tap, which is probably well to most. I'll end up. Um, Fenshire Street was a Seething Lane Tap. Uh, King's Cross was a Parcel Yard for six pound twenty pint of Fuller's. Uh, Liverpool Street is Hamilton Hall. London that's, that's Bridge is the Georgie. That's, that's, that's cracking, is that spot? Uh, the Marleybone was the Globe, but not that one. Uh, the Moorgate was the Singer Tavern. Paddington is the Mad Bishop and the Bear. Looks quite interesting. That one. That's, that's actually a, on the station. That's I a think, fullest pub. Yeah, that's yeah. a fullest pub. Uh, State Pancras, they go for the Betjamin Arms, Nick. Uh, right. Which that is must actually be outside the station. There, it's actually on the station. I think by the looks of it. Actually right. on the station. Yeah, it says, yeah, watch Eurostars come and go. 
Uh, that's sounds like it's a recently opened barrel vault. That's a Weatherspoons at the other end. That's also very good barrel as well. vaults are spoons, but yeah. lax, lax style, it says. Um, Victoria well, says the market. It reminds me of a, of, of a airport uh, Weatherspoons. Yeah. Quite open yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, lots yeah. of high tables, high stools, and very good. good so any, beers. any plans, you gentlemen? Any plans for this week? Well, sorry, I'm working in Selby all week, so um, I will get to try uh, giant bellflower bros. And, and, and that's the spoons, isn't it? And I believe it's quite a good uh, brew pub there, yeah. Yeah, the dog, the dog, the dog pub, wasn't yeah. it? The black dog or something. So we'll try yeah. those. Yeah. Hey, get yourself on, on bus to Ghoul. Go and see the lads at the old... Uh, on the pudding club. <laughs> pudding there. Yeah. yeah. Tom Pudding. Very good. Right, so we will be... I will tweet out when we're going to do it. It may well be next weekend, because we're on a bit of a roll now. So I hope you've enjoyed that one. And I say the next time we are going to be looking at the letters H, O and V just to kind of give us a little bit of a challenge. So, gents, have a good week, and uh, we'll you. see you all shortly. See you, everybody. We'll play it with some more ukulele music, and we'll see, see you in the next episode. See there.